Hello and welcome to the Scottish Indie Podcast. Tonight I'm delighted to welcome along Ali Begg from the band Arbor Green. How are you, mate? Hello, I'm well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. We're doing a, a bit of a double header tonight, so you're the, the second podcast of the night. We've saved the best for last. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. It's It's been a podcast that we've been planning since before the album came out. The album's now been out for almost a month but we've we finally got there and that's the most important thing isn't it yeah no yeah i'm really glad that we were able to get this together i'm really really pleased to be here so thanks for having me oh it's a pleasure and i've really been enjoying listening to the album it's been a lot of time in the off and coming it was one of these really lovely experiences where i got an email advising me about the album hands up I hadn't heard Arbor Green and received a, a digital copy of the album and straight away from first listen it has become something that I've listened to on a daily basis ever since it's one of these really oh, wow. special moments where you you discover something sort of organically and yeah you just fall in love with it it's, it's an absolute fantastic piece of work so so first of all congratulations on the release of the album, but we'll start with what's been happening. Thank you so much. That's that's so kind of you to say. That's really lovely to hear. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, it's a, it's a pleasure. We're recording on the, the second last day of March. Uh, so technically you brought the album out this month, but the podcast will be released in April. What's been happening since the, the release of the album? Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's been a really busy start to the year. We crowdfunded for the album, which kind of, uh, ran at kind of the end of last year and finished up at the start of this year and then there was quite a lot of work in terms of putting um, Kickstarter reward packages together and posting them out and stuff in, in advance of the album which I was kind of was kind of squeezing that work in around my day job doing most of it myself um, and then immediately well the album came out on the 4th of March uh, and we did a, a run of three launch gigs. So on that night of the 4th of March, we did a gig in Glasgow, um, which was really great. And then uh, the following week, we had a gig in Edinburgh and a gig up north in the Highlands, where in the village I grew up in. Um, so it was a pretty, pretty manic whirlwind, really, between um, getting the album out and then sort of getting ready for the first gigs of, that we'd done in two years. Um so, but I mean, it was brilliant. Yeah, it was a really, really lovely way to sort of put it out into the world. And um, the gigs were fantastic. Really, really loved them. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of up until sort of the middle of the month. And then after that, uh, I was just knackered. So, <laughs> uh, so it's been a quieter couple of weeks. Um, but we've had some really lovely, um, really lovely feedback from the album. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been quite a, quite a moving period of time for me actually yeah still processing it a bit it's a conversation that I've had with a number of guests this year where I've tried to get into the mindset of what it must be like being a, a musician playing a band or, like, you know imagine it must be the same for, for those in theatre or in comedy you've not had that that live experience for, for quite some time. I know there was a three, four month window last year before things 
kind of took a turn for the worst again towards Christmas time. Is it a case that you're almost retraining on the job when it comes to playing live again because you've you've not had that experience where you're going up on a stage and seeing the whites of people's eyes and having to to go by their reaction uh, in a live environment? Maybe the virtual gigs uh, in the past couple of years, but this is the, the real thing and you're, you're back to that again. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah, we didn't we didn't manage to do anything in that three four month window last year. We were too slow off the mark, and I mean, so for us, it's an interesting one. I mean, Arbor Green is um, sort of primarily a project that started as me on my own and brought in a bunch of guest musicians and stuff for the record. But uh, in terms of like a live band kind of permanent gigging lineup, um, the lineup that did those last three shows that we just did had never played all together live before. Um, we did a, a gig as a trio just right before lockdown in 2020. That was um, me and Sam, my bassist, and Thomas, the guitar player. But our drummer was in New Orleans at the time, scrabbling to get home in the midst of the start of the pandemic. And uh, Anna, who plays keys and a fiddle with us, has uh, well joined the band since then, kind of in preparation for the launch of the album. So, I mean, not only were, well, not only was I relearning a bit sort of how to play live but the band was also kind of really learning how to be a band in a live sense you know that was that was really the work that was done um in rehearsal rooms and stuff at the start of this year was interpreting this material and arranging it really for the for this five-piece lineup that we gigged with um so but i mean you know so in one way that was like uh, you know felt like quite a lot of work and the whole thing felt kind of quite uh I don't know, alien or unfamiliar after such a time away from it. But then on the other hand, you kind of get up on stage and you sort of breathe out the jitters on the opening bars of the first song and it becomes very familiar again very quickly. It's like coming home in a way. It's great. Really, really just so... I can't actually describe how great it was to play live again after such a period of time away. It's, I don't think any of us quite realised how much we'd missed it. Yeah. It was really good. I should say, I mean, so a couple of the guys, Sam and Simon, the bassist and the drummer, play in other bands and function bands and stuff and have had that. So this wasn't their first sort of, these weren't their first gigs back post-pandemic. But uh, for myself and Thomas, at least, yeah, it'd been at least two years since we'd played live. Yeah. Was, so was, there a, was there a transition involved in terms of there was a host of special guests uh, on the album. Was there a transition and almost a, an interpretation period from the newly kind of ensembled band in terms of trying to, to get their inter interpretations and to see how they would perform these songs live as well? Was there, was there any differentiation between that? Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, so, I mean, in terms of the the recorded music i played quite a lot of the instruments myself but not ever i mean i'm not you know one of these ridiculous multi-instrumentalists that can play everything but i played quite a lot of it myself certainly uh, most of the bass uh, most of the guitars was all me um so there was quite a period of obviously these guys kind of learning the stuff um and yeah, I should say that. So the album's really heavily layered with a lot of parts, more parts than a five-piece band could play, and it's sort of you know there's there was work involved in deciding 
kind of what's most what textures and layers feel most integral to the piece of music and what's going to translate the best live um but uh i mean in terms of the that transitionary period i mean it was really it was really smooth um all of the all of the players in the band are, are really really good um a couple of them do a lot, quite a lot of session work and stuff and are and just sort of very very good at learning quite a lot of material quite quickly um the first rehearsal that we ever had with Simon the drummer which was ages ago now um but I remember I'd been messaging him I'd met him and we'd, we'd spoken about it a bit um but I was messaging him and at this point the album was already recorded I already had it sitting so um I was able to just send him all the material and I was kind of going, yeah, well, we're maybe kind of thinking about these five or six songs for an initial set kind of thing at the time. And he was like, I'll have the whole album down for the first rehearsal. No worries. And I was kind of like, yeah, right, okay. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, he was just sort of almost perfect from like the first run through of some of the songs. It was really amazing. Um, I'm very, very lucky to have the musicians that I, that I do playing with me. Um, they've made it really, really easy. I'm by far the worst musician in the band. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit about the, the crowdfunding process? Because you, you obviously had a, a target in mind. That was smashed fairly early on. And to go on and then double your your initial target must be something that gives you immense pride in the fact that there's people really wanting to invest to hear this music and, and to be a part of something. Yeah, I mean, that was lovely and overwhelming and something that I sort of wrestle, had to wrestle with a bit. Um, I mean, so, yeah, we put out, I put out a couple of singles off the record last year just on just digitally on streaming services and some, a couple of those have had, you know, really nice reception among, you know, friends and family and a bit further, I suppose. These things tend to reach a little bit past your immediate circle, but maybe not that far. Um, and... Yeah, it came time to put the record out. And I'd been trying for ages to find, you know, like the perfect little indie label that would be up for doing it. And um, I had a couple of people that were sort of interested, but nothing really panned out. And I decided oh, I'm just going to do it myself. Fuck it. And um, crowdfunding was kind of the obvious way to, I guess, just, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a good model. And it was a funny one, because if you're going to take pre-orders for something anyway, you sort of almost might as well just crowdfund it because then you're sort of guaranteeing that you're going to cover your costs. And I set a target that I thought was, you know, hopefully going to be achievable in a month, maybe sort of, it felt sort of cautiously optimistic, the initial target to me, but, I, you know, I felt like, you know, in a month's time and with, you know, some a couple of generous contributors that'll probably pan out and then yeah I mastered the initial target in I think a week or even less um which was just so lovely and uh, you know one of the funny things is that you you do whenever you see people crowdfunding there are always especially for music there are always one or two kind of top tier reward things there that are quite a lot more money so you know for example the the sort of standard tiers for for the Arbor Green one were like you know 10 20 quid for you know various merch bundles and so on but I stuck a top tier of 100 quid in which included a whole bunch of merch and art and different stuff quite a lot of stuff but uh 
and also this uh, this idea of the person would get an executive producer credit on the the album and i just kind of put that in because it seemed like the done thing and i, I honestly never expected anybody to do that and I ended up having three people <laughs> contributing that much um so that was a almost something that i had to sort of wrestle with a bit i almost felt i felt quite weird that that people were into it enough to to contribute so generously um and it was definitely a bit of a sort of imposter syndrome type period there where I was kind of going, oh, what have I done? This is weird. And I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, but I think, you know, you just have to, you have to learn to accept that if you're putting things out there and if people respond well to it, that, you know, that's um, a positive, generous thing for them to do. And it's ungracious to feel uncomfortable with it. You just have to say thank you very much and then try and do the best you can for them i certainly wouldn't say it was ungracious i i, I think I, I completely actually understand where you're coming from there it's it's obviously a, a massive commitment for someone to go ahead and and commit that amount of money to your project but at the same time you're not holding a gun to their head to do it it's uh, it's well it's this is it i mean i think that's in what... you and believes in your work yeah and i mean that's that's you know that's certainly the realization that's 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 the position that i came i came around to um obviously very much so um but it's just yeah i suppose it, it, it all ties into your own relationship with the work and learning to learning to accept that this thing you've done does have value because you know any any creative person's relationship with anything that they make is always going to be complicated and it's always going to be some level of a kind of love-hate relationship and you're never really sure how other people are going to feel about it until you start sort of throwing the idea out there um so yeah i guess it's just um yeah just coming to terms with the idea that um you know it's it's okay for something you've made to have value for someone else and that that's you know, well, at the end of the day, that's the whole point. That, that's absolutely right. You mentioned some interest from from labels in it not quite coming uh, to fruition. Is the, the crowdfunding a way, a, a path that you would say is, is one that you would recommend to other artists or, or bands that are, are struggling to get their, their stuff out there? have that belief and, and faith in the product that if they can get it out there then it will lead to, to bigger and better things yeah i mean you know i suppose it's, it's too early to say what it may or may not lead to for us but it certainly it was certainly a way to to facilitate an initial release without having to sort of dig deep into you know my own pockets to try and sort of finance it up front um you know when we're not talking about huge sums of money here anyway but uh Certainly, I think if anybody feels like they have, you know, some level of an audience or even just <laughs> a really nice, generous circle of family and friends, I think you'd probably be surprised what you could actually raise for something that you're passionate about and that you believe in, um, for sure. I mean, you know, there are pros and cons to doing the fully kind of DIY approach. It's something that I find really rewarding, actually. But it's a lot of work, or it can be a lot of work if you're like me and you make it into a lot of work um, with all sorts of different 
reward tiers and bits and pieces of stuff but i mean it's, it's also been a total joy and really fun and you know i suppose it just allows you to maintain total creative control which if you're an egomaniac like me is maybe what you want anyway i'm sorry i got distracted for about 10 seconds there as the snow is battering off the window so we're what are the 30th of march <laughs> And the, the Scottish weather has turned to the extent that we're now getting snow as we have entered the spring months. We had our, our warmest day of the year, what, two days ago? Yeah. And now we've went full circle into a snowstorm outside. So that's... I, I, I don't yeah. know whether I want to talk about the weather on the podcast, but it's fucking shocking. <laughs> it's, it's been a weird one. It's been a weird day. I I, I cycled into the the office today for my day job and I packed a full change of clothes in my bag because I was sure I was going to get soaked either going in or coming back because that was what the forecast was saying and it was sort of clear and sunny but cold all day and then got in the door and now it's yeah snow sleet hail the whole shebang now we are just talking about the weather on your podcast sorry that's it for no, people no, 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 that are curious this is what the weather was like on the 30th of March yeah it, it just it just shouldn't be happening I would but the, the global warming podcast will be recorded following this one. So, <laughs> yeah, I was convinced it was summer a week ago. The the thing is, since work from home has been introduced, I wear nothing but shorts anyway. So it's uh, this is my winter wear, my summer wear, spring, and what's the other autumn? Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> uh, struggling to remember them. What day it is, what month it is, it's kind of all just merges into one at, at points, doesn't it? It's uh, yeah, it's been a strange couple of years. It sure has. In the the press release for the album, you mentioned it's a collection of songs that trace the struggles and stigmas surrounding grief and mental illness. So it's hard hitting topics, topics that have been discussed more openly and honestly than ever before. Now, it's also very personal, of course. How sure. difficult was it to to open up and things like that? And, and how much of a, a weight off can it be to to put these out there on the record? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, yeah. Um, so I suppose for context, anyone that's listening that doesn't know um, the sort of backstory, this record was kind of written, well, some of it was, written prior to this but it was sort of finished and recording really started um in the sort of period of time after i lost my mother back in uh, 2015 i think um and yeah i suppose at the time it was it, it was a difficult process but it was also i mean i think really it was part of it i don't know if it was a coping mechanism it was certainly part of my my grieving process at that time, I think was having this project to throw myself into. Um, there is a song about my mum specifically on the record, uh, which is which was quite emotional to write, um, as you would expect. Um, and it's an odd one because because the record was started such a long time ago and has existed for me over such a period of time. And I finished it very slowly, but it has been finished for a couple of years. Um, my relationship with it has changed back and forth quite quite a bit. Um, 
it's sort of uh, obviously, I think the grief process following losing somebody that you're that close to is something that you know it's not a matter of months it's a matter of years um so in a way you know now that record is really a record to me that captures the sort of earlier stages of of grieving for that person um so that's that's interesting as well um there were points where I felt like I would never be able to release it. That's this is the thing is that it, it's a really personal record, and I wasn't necessarily even sure what the plan was for it when I started making it, and it just sort of snowballed into something where various friends and, and guests kind of hopped on, and it started sounding more and more like a like a real record rather than a collection of sort of demos that I'd made. Um, and at some point I decided, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, try and make this sound and feel as good as possible. But even then, having had it mixed and professionally mastered and everything, I still, uh, yeah, I still felt like I wasn't possibly fully ready to put it out for quite a while. Um, this is nerve wracking, I suppose, when you're, when you're laying yourself so, so bare. Um, so I suppose that's, possibly partly answers the first part of your question i think the second part was how did it feel to, to put it out there and that was really nerve-wracking but also super cathartic and really rewarding and i'm pleased to say at this stage that you know sort of nearly a month into having the whole thing out there that i'm really glad i did it um i honestly wasn't even sure i was going to be glad i did it but when we started crowdfunding it was just one of these things that you know it had to happen now or it wasn't going to happen at all um but yeah singing those songs on stage and allowing myself to feel a bit of what's in them for the first time in a long time while performing them in front of people was it was real therapy it was really yeah really powerful experience for me it was obviously very very emotional and emotional for you know the number of people in the audience that sort of knew at least vaguely what it was all about um but it, but I felt very connected to the work and to the people that the work was written about and also to the people that were there sort of sharing it with me, um, which is amazing. And I've also had some really, really lovely messages from folk that have, that have gotten in touch since hearing the album to sort of to let me know that it resonated with them in some way um, in connection with some grief that they have or someone that they've lost. Um, and that is, I perhaps should have expected a little bit of that, maybe. I, I certainly didn't, though. Um, and that's been just phenomenally touching um, to hear from folk that that have heard this music and it's, yeah, it's sort of connected with them because of something that they've been through. That's been really beautiful. Yeah, I completely can understand why. I, I think, first of all, it's, it's an incredibly brave thing to do. I, I think it's... To, to pour it all out there and to commit it to record is, is is extremely brave. I think the other strand to it is that grief isn't a unique experience by any manner or means. In, in fact, I would imagine that most people listening to this episode will have experienced it at, at some points to different degrees. Now, People react in different ways, uh, and it's all down to 
the person and genetics and so on and so forth. But the the fact is that there is a lot of, or at least an element of a mentality that still exists, I think, where people think that you should just be able to, to pick yourself up and we go again type mentality where yeah life sure. life moves on and you've got to you've got to move on with it and that's exactly the sort of stigma that I take from from listening to the album that's that's kind of people aren't always ready to move on right away and the thing is when you've you've lost someone or something that is so imperative to your life and, and has been such a big part of your life as you did in a massive scale then then there is a, a, a real process to go through and as you say it it doesn't last days it doesn't last weeks or months it's, it's a matter of years and in fact it will never truly go away it may ease off and hopefully it will be a lot easier with time but it's a hell of a thing to go through. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think I, th- I think that's right. And um, you know, I I, w- I would say that it does it does change um, with time uh, for sure. Um, but there is something. But I think you're right. You know, it's okay to say you know years down the line, it's okay to stop and say, look, this still hurts. This is still tough. Um, you know, I still miss this person. Maybe it doesn't consume your life quite as much as it once did, but it's also probably fundamentally shaped who you are. I mean, it's, it's probably changed your perspective on everything to some degree. Um, and just because, I mean, as you say, grief is such a universal experience. Most people have probably experienced it, but it doesn't mean that it's, you know, meaningless. It doesn't mean that it's something that you should just move on from or that you have to move on from. Um, and and yeah, I think, I guess, one of the things that this record does is really just quite unashamedly say, you know, this hurts and, um, and it still hurts, <laughs> I suppose. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's not, I like to think that it's not some, a piece of work that's just sort of wallowing in itself. Um, and there is a process there, you know, even within the the lyrics to those songs. Um, you know, the person that write that wrote those songs is is getting better as he writes them. But um, but the whole kind of thrust of what I'm trying to do is really, yeah, just very unashamedly say, this is fucking rough. <laughs> yeah, I guess. yeah, it's it's. It, it's and I think you can tell that from from listening to the album. It's a it's a it's a journey, almost a to an extent a recovery process uh, of, of getting back on your feet, and that's uh, that's certainly evident from listening to it. I think, and you've you've released three singles from the album, and that's that's something that I've noticed. Just again, is it on a wider scale? You have bands releasing albums by the point that the album's been released you tend to now have heard kind of three or four songs at the very least whereas I don't think it used to be that way it used to be kind of a single the album and then maybe three four five 
singles following the release of the album, but now the singles almost act as a precursor for the album release. Yeah, sure. So I think that's, I mean, to, to an extent, that's, it's, I guess it's about testing the water and sort of trying to build a bit of, or for, for me anyway, you know, this is a brand new project for me and it's trying to build a bit of a, a, an audience and maybe a bit of a brand in, in advance yeah, of, of putting out the main piece of work. But I think it's also the nature of the way that, you know, it's, it's really the nature of the way that we consume music now. Um, everyone's very Spotify focused, you know, the vast majority of people who listen to music on Spotify. Spotify's algorithms respond best if you drip feed them. Um, and this is, I think, you know, the real reason that people are putting out, you know, three, four, even five singles ahead of a, an album. Yeah, you know, you see, yeah, you, you regularly see people releasing basically half of the record in advance of the actual record coming out. Um, and it's, and I mean, it's just, it's, it's the constant need for fresh content, which is everywhere in our lives. Um, and it, and it's, yeah, it's reshaped the way that. Um, music is released and if I'm honest I kind of hate it but <laughs> it's kind of it's just kind of what you've got to do I think it's just the way that the it's just the way that it works um, and it but it is it's an odd one with an album like this which is which to me feels so much an album you know so much a, a set of a collection of songs that belong together it's odd to try and break it up and, and put stuff out in advance um, yeah it's just it's a, it's a strange one um, but I like to think that they're now all kind of home together, you know. <laughs> the early singles were maybe sort of wandering a bit astray for a while, but now the rest of the record is out, and uh, you know, hopefully they they make sense in the context of the whole piece. Yeah, the, the picture's complete, so to speak. So now the album's out, do you begin to readjust your aims and your goals going forward? Uh, by that I mean you've worked so hard to get the album out there. It's went down well. D- does your hopes... And ambitions change as a result of that. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, it's a good question. So I guess um, positive reception breeds enthusiasm in me to do more, uh, for sure. Um, you know, the whole thing's been very validating. It's it's a weird one, especially with something like this, which, as I keep saying, you know, I'd been sitting with this work for a really long time. A lot of the songs are quite, you know, I guess historical for me. Um, I'd had the completed work as like the the mixed and mastered album done for long enough that I was sort of almost excruciatingly excruciatingly familiar with the recordings and when you're sitting with something unreleased for that period of time it's really hard to know how it's going to go down with anyone else or if it's any good or you know even if you think it's any good anymore so um everyone being so lovely and enthusiastic about it has certainly, you know, uh, reinvigorated my desire to, to move on to the next thing. Um, and there are, there's a lot of material there, you know, there, there's most of an, most of the next album kind of at least partially written, which is, um, exciting. Uh, but also I think revisiting and reinterpreting this music, for live shows is maybe want to do a lot more of that as well um so i think really the whole process it's funny you know releasing the album kind of just on the cusp of the start of spring after two years of pandemics and lockdowns and all the rest of it it really feels like 
a sort of auspicious time to put this out and the, and the response has really kind of breathed new life into my uh well yeah it's really it's sort of rejuvenated me it's it, yeah it's sort of topped up my energy levels and i'm sort of really it feels like i've almost been in this period of hibernation for the last couple of years and it's time to uh get stuck in and uh do lots more of all of this stuff so have you got more gigs and shows lined up uh, as we head into the the summer months yeah so nothing i can announce at the minute but we're working on it for sure um i would like to do like to do uh yeah uh, as much as we can we can manage um between everybody's day jobs and the other bands that people play in and everything else um we're a pretty busy bunch but um this material just is feeling so good live that we're really keen to get out there and do as much as possible um for sure and yeah the other thing that i really want to do is start bringing new material to the the rest of the band and working on working on that together um which will be quite a different process from the first album um and yeah hopefully start thinking about heading towards a recording studio um in the second half of the year it's right up there with my, my favorite response to a question nothing we can announce just now uh <laughs> I, think, I wish i'd just waited a week or two to speak to the to the guests at that point <laughs> no, I, I completely understand that uh i've been denied in another exclusive there but that's unfortunate but <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on to the the generic part of the, the podcast where i asked the guest for a handful of Scottish bands or artists that they would like to give a, a recommendation or a shout out to that the listeners may or may not have heard of. Okay, right, sure. Um, so contemporary songwriters that are that are doing stuff just now that I really love. Um, Lizzie Reed is doing phenomenal things right now. She's just put out a new track the other week. Um, she's brilliant, gorgeous songwriter from based in glasgow um broken chanter great band great uh just great sound second album which you'll have you'll probably have heard uh catastrophe hits was just one of my faves of last year um uh what else so yeah i should shout the some of the people that supported us in the gigs that we did at the start of um this month uh, my old friend A. Maxwell from my university days has got really great new music coming out soon um, and has a really fab band. Um, a band called Blip, who I don't think have anything released but are gigging and will put stuff out soon. Um, really good kind of uh, melodic, alt-rocky kind of vibe. Uh, a gorgeous singer-songwriter called Hector Shaw. Um, he has a great EP out called Gravity, um, sort of a bit like a like a reincarnation of John Martin or something. He's he's got this stunning finger style guitar, acoustic guitar playing and a really really special voice. Um, he came up to the Highlands to support us on our, our Highland show, and it was just I loved watching him so much. Um, and then I'll just shout out as well our pals Nicola and Elliot who supported us in Edinburgh, cracking um, kind of country leaning folk stuff uh, and they've just put a new 
well. It's actually they've got a, a vinyl record with Last Night from Glasgow, which is a collection of their first three EPs. Um, and it's super cool. I own one and it's coloured vinyl, which is always exciting, quite envious. Nice. Thank you very much for those. Ali, I would like to take the opportunity to thank you for coming on and, and chatting tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Really, really interesting. I would like to wish you all the best as well going forward. It's been great getting to, to discover your music this year. And I'm looking forward so to much. more. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on. It's been really nice to get to soapbox about some of this stuff a bit. And, uh, and yeah, I'm really touched that you that you like it. Um, and yeah, more soon. And just before you go, where can people find your music? Where can people find you on social media and such like? Sure thing, yeah. So uh, you can find the album, As We Grow, anywhere that you listen to music, uh, Spotify, Bandcamp, etc. If you want to buy it physically, it's on CD and uh, we've got some limited edition green cassettes left, which are fun. They come with a digital download because nobody actually owns a tape player anymore. Um, so you can get those from our website, arbogreen.co.uk or on Bandcamp. Um, and if you, yeah, if you like what you hear, please give us a follow on Spotify and on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. I think that's, I think that covers just a bit of a whole lot. I think it just does. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Ali, thanks again. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, pleasure too. Thanks, Andy. You've been listening to the Scottish Indie Podcast. We'll be back in a week's time. Until then, thank you and goodbye. Cut your hair, paint your face, watch the morning slip away. Wrapped in porcelain and chemical decay Why don't you all just go away Leave my mind to run a stream I'm not feeling magnificent